0: Hi, I'm Nikki LaCroche, and you're listening to the Who the Fuck Podcast. Inquisitive, authentic, unapologetic. A show designed to create connection, fuel compassion, activate change, and figure out just who the fuck you are. Hey, gang, you're listening to the latest episode of the Who the Fuck Podcast. I'm sharing the mic with Kyla Coogan, and Kyla is a queer life coach based in Southern California whose mission is to help people in the queer community become more confident and comfortable so they can achieve their full potential. Pulling from her own experiences, Kyla's practice highlights the value of self-awareness and self-acceptance so her clients can be all of who they are without reservations. And I agree wholeheartedly. With that in mind, we're going to be talking about how labels affect our self-perception and why it's important to respect the different ways that people choose to identify themselves. But before we get started, Kyla, why don't you share a little bit about yourself with our listeners?
1: Thank you so much for having me, Nikki. I'm so excited to be here.
0: (laughs) Hey, I'm super pumped. Let's
1: go. So a little bit about me. I like bringing the vibe. I like bringing the energy. And what I love doing is helping people raise their vibe and come alive. And a little bit about me is that when I was in third grade was when I had my first moment of... Oh, gosh, I think I might be attracted to girls. (laughs) And it was a, a journey for me for about 14 years of my life where I hid my sexuality. And I didn't come out to my family or my friends until I was 22 years old. And that period of time of hiding for 14 years, a lot transpired for me. I feel like I was hiding so much shame around who I was that... What ended up happening is I really manifested all these different issues. I had severe anxiety, I had severe acne. Sure, we're gonna go into detail about all of that. But what I found along my journey was just, it was all the hiding and all the hiding of the shame of who I was that led to so many issues in my life.
0: First of all, I'll say that we have a very similar timeline as far as our coming out stories go, versus our awareness that we might need to have a coming out story. <laughs> I remember having my first crush on a girl. Like notably that I could identify it was when I was in fourth grade, playing tetherball with somebody <laughs> in new in class. And so it's like a very specific moment that I remember. And I didn't come out really. F- fully, probably until like the end of college. And then after college, I was owning it a little bit more, but I started really telling people and and trying to own it around 19. And so, I totally am excited to get into sort of that (laughs) part of the conversation to some extent, because I think it applies a lot to the idea of how we label ourselves, because part of the reason that you feel inclined to hide and you have that heavy sense of shame, at least in my experience is the label is what people are going to notice about you. They're going to they like that is such a pivotal thing that because it's not normalized in society, you immediately feel defensive about it. And so I envy kids today quite a bit in that it's evolved a lot since we were younger. It's certainly not everything that it could be, but I definitely admire the girls who get to go to school dances with other girls because I was just like... (laughs) making it the whole time, feeling like, I like these Mm -hmm. people enough. Like, these are, they're fine. They're fine. I can make out with anybody. It's fine. But like, (laughs) but when it got a really deep personal connection, I cared more about what people thought of the label than I really allowed myself to care about what they felt truly about me as a person. So I, I appreciate that you sort of led with that because I think it gives us a really solid foundation to move forward with the conversation.
1: Yeah, thanks for sharing your story too. Yeah, for sure.
0: It's gonna be it's gonna be a, an awakening <laughs> for me. Honestly, this is season two. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time really getting to know people in my last season, and I think loosely alluding to a lot of things that I've been through and experiences I've had. And so I have been prompted by some of my guests and friends to open up a little bit more and and take that vulnerability out of my own comfort zone and and give myself a chance to really showcase that too. So this is a really fun conversation. I mean, fun in a way where it's like, it's not what it is. I think it's going to be really good for both of us to have somebody to sort of compare notes with.
1: <laughs> yes, cheers to being our true self. <laughs> Amen to that.
0: Amen to that. So, can you just tell me a little bit about how you got started sort of in the queer life coach genre or niche, shall we say, <laughs> and what sort of prompted that? Was it your own experiences and and feeling like you wanted a community that you didn't have and being able to build that or was it something else?
1: Such a good question. I mentioned I came out when I was 22 years old and Two years later was when I started having anxiety and, well, I had anxiety before, but I was technically diagnosed with an anxiety disorder two years later, and that's when I was having suicidal ideation. And so it's crazy. I didn't see that in my story until I started working on my TEDx talk. And the woman that I was working with on my TED talk was like, hold on a sec, you had suicidal ideation and generalized anxiety disorder after you came out, not before you came out. And then I started looking into the statistics and I'm like, wait, that makes that makes sense. This is actually happening all over the world. So to answer your question, when I started coaching... A couple of years ago, when I was looking at who's my target market, who am I supposed to serve, right? I actually struggled with having a target market because I'm like, I just want to serve any human being that resonates with my message, which is is really what I am doing, actually.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I but, feel the same way. Sorry to yeah. interrupt. I like that was sort of like when I started my podcast last season. I really had a moment. Where I was like, well, what's the demographic? Well, I feel like I want anybody who wants to understand more about themselves and about other people and create connection. I mean, you have to lean into the data at some point so you can actually have a a marketable business. But I think that what's beautiful about that approach from your angle, too, is that the door is open to anybody. You might be targeting other people more specifically just because like, you know that there's an entry point there, but it's not like you would be exclusive of somebody who wants to become part of that. And I think that that's the balance you have to strike as a business owner
1: absolutely yeah when i go back to your question i remember when i first started coaching and i had it this open like statement of i'm just a life coach whoever resonates with my message and i was primarily helping people struggling with anxiety what actually happened is i had kind of an aha moment where i was looking in my messenger my instagram my facebook the folks who reach out to me the most that are asking for my help that are asking for my support before i even started coaching were in the LGBT community. So I kind of had my aha moment of like, well, who is already re- naturally resonating with my message, right? And so I'm like, well, that's already who I effortlessly am attracting without I, having I like any that. effort. I <laughs> like
0: that. I like, I like that approach. Yeah. It's who are you effortlessly attracting? That's good. There's a magnetism to that. Did you find that these people were gravitating towards you and and your message? Were you open about your sexuality going into it? And is that sort of why you think that people gravitated towards it? Or were you sort of, that wasn't part of your message and it just so happened to be that group of people?
1: Yeah, you got such good questions. I love you, Nikki. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I came out when I was 22, I ended up in a relationship within six months we actually had a pretty public relationship because my ex was a professional surfer. She was an amputee and a professional surfer. And so in public, it was hard to miss us. Anytime we were around, it was just like people looked at us everywhere. And so I think because we had such a public relationship, people knew that I was openly gay. So they've known that you know since I was 22 years old. So even at nonprofit organizations that I've worked at, the kids that I would work with would come up to me and come out like they felt comfortable and safe with me to come out, like totally out of the blue, it would happen. Yeah, I think because I've owned that part of me once I finally, (laughs) once I finally came out and owned that, people felt comfortable everywhere. I've, everywhere I've worked, everywhere I've been really to just open up and connect with me about it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think that that's sort of the, the MO from my standpoint too. again, to draw the parallel, but it's this idea that if like you and I both hit it, basically, for however many years, right? And you do that because you don't feel like you have a safe space to be fully who you are. And this is something that I've been struggling with a lot lately, because my parents and I have been in the throes of differing views on some things. And we had a bit of a turbulent year, the year that I actually came out to them. But this is sort of the Caveat that I I feel like I have to give because the disclaimer should be that I love my parents. I think they're very genuine, kind-hearted human beings who do the best they can and mean well. But I think that they are very limited in their worldview and that they also have a hard time understanding the relevance of some things in my life because they don't experience them. And we now live three thousand miles away, so they really don't experience them. And so, like, there's this part of it where in my life growing up, there was always, there's nothing you can't tell us. Nothing's ever that bad that you can't tell us, right? Like you come to us. And so there was the, the promise of the attention and the affection and the, the support. And plenty of times they were there and they showed up and that happened. But there were also plenty of times where I felt like opening up too much would put me at risk of getting in trouble or of creating friction or making somebody uncomfortable. And so part of what building this podcast has become for me is a place where like, come tell your story be who you are show up because at the end of the day like we might not agree on everything we in fact i uh, i encourage people to challenge me on what i think <laughs> yeah. I, I want to be challenged i want to be better and i don't think that you get better if you don't open your mind enough and give yourself the flexibility to adapt to new ways of thinking but it is a very big step to find somebody that you can trust in your life to share something like that with, especially, I think, again, historically, I don't think it's fully, you know, absolved and people aren't scared ever to tell anybody right now about their sexuality. But I think that there's definitely been a quelling of the sense of just like pure hatred from like a majority. And I think there's a lot more acceptance. So the fact that people would come to you and felt connected to you in A moment where maybe you didn't even know them that well speaks volumes about the level of safety that you're able to provide just inherently by being a welcoming human being who wants to listen and care for other people because it's something that I think sounds like both of us really needed at a point in time, especially surrounding this issue. And if you don't have somebody to go to in your immediate grip, your family or friends, then like, how do you ultimately get to that point where you get comfortable with it? And I think that's like, something that your service both just as a human being and also your business provides from what you've told me
1: yeah wow i receive that <laughs> i love that, that was my hard. <laughs> i will receive that yeah it's so cool actually with you sharing that because It is beautiful that people feel comfortable talking to me about their sexuality because sexuality is such an uncomfortable conversation for so many people. And actually, Nikki, (laughs) what's been so fascinating the last couple of years, now that I have a life coaching business and I'm open about the fact that most of my clients are struggling with their sexuality, it's interesting because it took it to a whole other level when it, when it became my business, because now when I'm publicly going around talking about what I do, <laughs> when I first started, it was like, yeah, I'm a queer life coach. And people would be like, it would like, people would stop themselves, like, wait, what? <laughs> and it always opened up this interesting dialogue about people would just open up about their sexuality, like, boom, like, <laughs> know, now, like here <laughs> you are, like, let me like, let the floodgates open, right? Yeah. What's happened recently is I've had friends, I'm not naming anybody, <laughs> but I've had quite a few friends out of the blue tell me that their whole life they've been heterosexual and like all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm kind of interested in the same sex. i like, I'm thinking about it. Or they tell me that on and off throughout their life, they've had sexual experiences with all sexes and they've never told anyone. And so what I'm finding is that the way I see it is that we're having a human experience. We're here to have an experience. So it's actually normal <laughs> that as a human being, you're attracted to all sexes. It doesn't mean you have to have sex with everyone, but like, but for if me, you want I mean, to, you
0: know, like that's yeah, your problem. Exactly. Like, like I'm still attracted to men. Yeah. Right? I have this, I've had this conversation. And it's like yeah. we talk about it. <laughs> Spectrum, right? It's like on a scale of one to seven, how gay are you? And <laughs> so like, I appreciate some nice man abs once in a while. <laughs> yeah.
1: Not
0: going to hate yeah. on that. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. I mean, sexually, I'm way more attracted to
1: women and I don't have a desire sexually to be with a guy, but there's been men where I've been with them and I'm like, that I'm just like spending time with. We're talking and I'm like, whoa, I feel attraction. This is weird. Like, what's going on? But I want to live my life where I'm so open that I'm just so open to any experience because it's a soul to soul connection. There could be a soul to soul connection with a guy at at some point in my life. I don't know, but I don't personally want to be restricted by labels. And that once I choose lesbian or bisexual or queer, whatever it is, that then I have to live my life just based on that label, that at any point it might change. And so my hope for humanity is one day that we can just it doesn't matter. Like every room we go in, like, it's almost like the assumption is that we're all like queer, that we're all, (laughs) that we all are into any sex. And so you walk in and you just don't know, like, (laughs) because (laughs) most of my life, I would say I walk in a room, right? Like we walk into a restaurant or a bar. Most of my life, I would just assume there were like no options for me, right? Because it was like, well, if I'm a lesbian, there's no other lesbians here. So like, but I'm seeing now, wait a minute. (laughs) I, I mean, I'm blown away, honestly, how much lately people are just telling me about who they're attracted to and who they want to have sex with. And I'm like, yeah, this is actually normal. It's just people don't
0: talk about it. <laughs> you're, you're, you're so spot on. And it's like, I love that. I just feel like I'm so excited that we're having this conversation. <laughs> right now because It's like so few people understand this side of it that I have relationships with right now. And especially, you know, I am grateful and lucky that I have a very wonderful support system in my friends. But most of my friends would identify as straight or heterosexual, right? I mean, plenty of them have made out with girls, because that's, I guess, what a lot of people did. But I do think that there is this element of it where I felt the same way as you. I dragged my roommates on my study abroad trip to like the oldest lesbian bar in Paris, completely shitfaced. And we got there, I ordered a drink, I was so stressed out and nervous. Because at this point, I was still also like, really, like just figuring out how to actually talk to people and come out and really have that moment. And I would do it in the weirdest ways too, and make myself uncomfortable in doing it, like try to bring it up casually. But like, it wasn't (laughs) at all. It was just awkward and uncomfortable. And in retrospect, I have massive, massive cringeworthy thoughts about it. But I do think that like, those moments were terrifying to me. Like I, they were so willing, they were such good friends. They were so willing. My straight friends were like, yes, we'll come to gay bars with you. We'll do this. It's totally fine, whatever. And then I'd get there and I'd clam up because I'd feel so panicked about it. Like it's almost the opposite of what you described with going into a regular bar, which like if you call it, I mean, every bar is sort of like a straight bar, retrospectively speaking (laughs) about like my life when I was trying to date. It's like if I was trying to find a girl that I wanted to be with or hook up with or whatever it was, you would want to go to a gay or lesbian bar because you would want to know with relative assurance that somebody there... (laughs) is actually potentially interested in you not going up to a random stranger hitting on them and then feeling potentially mortified that you've hit on somebody who's straight and maybe is like, no, that's weird. Now my friends are like, I'd be flattered. And I'm like, I just don't think that that's how it was 15 years ago. I think that there was a lot more of a stigma. I think that gay men actually like had a little bit more wiggle room before lesbians did too. Um, Not necessarily like men hitting on men. I think there's plenty of people who have been aggressive about that. But I think that there's maybe a little bit more variety sometimes in women that makes (laughs) it really hard to tell. Not to like, (laughs) obviously lump every single person who has same sex tendencies into like you are or you aren't and you do or you don't seem that way. But there's specific characteristics about people that we'll start looking for and try to identify. And it's like, well, if that girl looks, quote, too straight, (laughs) like I'm not going to hit on her because I'm afraid that I will be embarrassed. And You potentially miss out on these opportunities because you've already, to the point of this conversation, labeled somebody in your mind based on an assumption. And so it's sort of like this thing that we struggle with that like we didn't want to put ourselves in this box was inherently a box we put ourselves in because of the construct of society and how people have or have not been open about it, where it's like, you go to a gay bar because you want to know you're around other gay people. It doesn't mean gay people aren't at that other bar. It It just means that like you don't have the comfort level to take a chance on that because there's a risk to you emotionally in that potentially. Or maybe there isn't, but for me, there was. And I always felt really Challenge to identify as a lesbian that really like you know that was like the the core foundation of who i was like i kept coming back to that when i came out was like this is so small in the grand scheme of who i am i think that there's a lot of power behind it and it has helped formulate who i am as a person but if you look at it strictly from like a relational standpoint any relationship. Like we should not be defined by that. And I think putting labels on people for their sexuality or anything for that matter, it just immediately forces us to segregate, not only be segregated by other people, but to segregate ourselves in the way that I was just rambling about.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's so true. And I swear it's hilarious. It's, it's. I just see so many people Right now, who are identified as heterosexual that might not be just heterosexual, right? I mean, because they put themselves in that box, that even if you were to go up to them at a bar and, and like hit on a girl that hadn't <laughs> been with a woman before, but like there's actually an interest there that might not know how to act when it's happening, right? Because they are, het- they're heterosexual, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So it's just, it's like, it would be so fun if what was normal is, just you could have sex with anybody
0: <laughs> and, and just be flattered just- when anybody hits on yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <Just> exactly. <laughs> You're creep, just leave. Like I don't care what gender you are. <laughs> Like, I don't need you to be weird, but I, but I agree with you. And I think that that's part of it. Right. Is like, we want that sense of belonging and historically speaking, labels have been a way for us to identify where we belong. And in reality, I think that they're extremely restrictive and they create less belonging because it puts limitations on where you feel like you can exist as your whole self.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. So much, which is. Exactly why it's been so hard for me to put the queer label on my life coaching business, because it's like, there is a box that's being placed in this. And when I started to market that, I actually had to stop and look at statistics in the LGBT community for me to to like pause and really look at my why and why am I doing this? Because ultimately, with my business, I do it because it's my mission, it's my purpose, it's what I'm here to do. And I do it because I love it. And the money comes secondary, right? What popped for me was that I actually had to use that language in order for that community to even feel like they belonged there is a attachment to those words. So they feel safe to go to somebody that is openly saying the words queer or LGBTQ. In fact, I don't know if you saw the recent Trevor Project study
0: I haven't seen the recent one but i'm very familiar with them and for anybody listening that's going to be the who the fuck for a cause that kyla's episode supporting so make sure that if you can donate you do um we'll set up the link who the fck.com donate for the trevor project but continue please
1: yeah 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 thanks for dropping that i'm grateful that you have that as an opportunity here to to donate to them but yeah they did the largest study ever on lgbtq youth this year in 2020 and they studied 40,000 youth in the LGBT community, the thing that popped the most out of what they found was that 40% of the youth that were studied there, so around 15,000, 20,000 of those youth were harming themselves because their identity was not being affirmed.
0: That's heavy. So I want to back up for one second and ask you specifically about the term in- for the word queer. So mm-hmm. I always joke around that I'm a bad lesbian. <laughs> it's like the gayest thing about me is that I have a wife <laughs> and probably how I dress. But <laughs> but I, I do feel like the word queer has often eluded me. So would you mind sharing how you would define queer specifically because you use it in your business? Is it is it more of a generalized term to, to try to encompass the full LGBTQA plus, you know, the rest of the alphabet that we're probably going to fill in (laughs) (laughs) because it's like that's how ridiculous labels are by the way is that like we've gone from like lgbt lgbtq lgbtqa plus like it's like just then stop labeling it if you have to have so many fucking labels yes
1: (laughs) oh yeah and okay so i'll answer your question about what queer is but also on that point okay on that point in that trevor project study They found that the kids are using over a hundred gender pronouns and over a hundred for their sexuality. I know nothing. I know nothing. I am not woke. (laughs) But but see, I don't know. I was looking at the list and I'm like, what are these? Right? And so the kids are choosing out of a hundred plus labels and that's the core problem.
0: That's actually the core issue. How do, you, how do you identify? How do you identify? Like, I can't even take a fucking standardized test. <laughs> I yeah, wasn't so, even good at this when we had two options. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, when
1: I was a kid, I just saw it as gay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, was like, gay, it was like, like I like, like
0: men or I like women. And yeah. it was really just like, it was pretty black and white at that point. Yeah. But that's the yeah. thing, too, is like the shades of gray have expanded so much. And I mean, it's a really amazing thing in the sense that people have gotten to a point where they, they have the freedom as much as possible to be able to make that choice, but I feel like that's a lot of pressure also to get it right,
1: yeah, and that what you just said is what I feel like it is happening is the kids are trying to get it right. I see it all the time in Facebook groups, like LGBTQ Facebook groups where people will go in there and be like, "Hey, everyone, okay, I need help. I think I'm a lesbian." So they're trying to figure out which label they put on it. That's the frustration, that's the overwhelm, that's the anxiety is like. When I looked at the, the study from the Trevor Project and you look at all these kids, thousands of kids that are attempting suicide, that are actually cutting themselves, harming themselves because they're not being affirmed by the label that they're choosing. The reality is that no matter what labels we choose, there's no way that when we walk around in society that people are going to get it right. There's just no, my name, Kyla, C-U-I-L-A. Okay, every day of my life, somebody, Quila, Quila, Swila, Kyla. Like, it's just like, I can't even. It's If I hadn't heard like, you say it. <laughs>
0: I would have immediately butchered it. I would have immediately butchered it. I oh. do like to try to ask people when I can't with real assurance say their name, <laughs> how you pronounce it before I butcher it. But I really was glad that I had an introduction <laughs> of like you introducing yourself somewhere yeah. to be like, okay, she totally knows how to say her own name. Good. <laughs>
1: yeah. But yeah, my point is like, I've had a confusing name my whole life. People butcher it all the time. And I remember as a kid, I actually did used to take it personal. I was actually insecure about my name. I was like awkward about saying my name because I always had to explain it. And it, I, didn't, I didn't think it was a cool name. I was like, why don't my parents give me this freaking name? Like, why could I got to have an easy name. And now I like love it and I own it, but it's so like crazy, like how much a label can impact someone's life. And so to go back to your question about queer, what you said is how I see it. And this is, this is the thing is that there's so many perspectives right now on what it what is queer because it has changed and evolved so much over the years, right? It used to be a derogatory term for against the community as like you're queer like you. And then the community was like we're going to actually take the word and like own the word and like even though you like were making fun of us, like we own it. And so it keeps evolving, but now my understanding is it's this more broad overarching term that encompasses Anything in the LGBTQ plus community on the gender side and the sexuality side. So because that's what's getting confusing, right? There's gender pronouns, and then there's sexuality, like specific pronouns. And so queer is encompassing both gender and sexuality.
0: That's super helpful. So thank you for articulating that. And I'm sure that plenty of people listening will also probably learn from that. So (laughs) I I appreciate it. And you know, it's one of those things that it's sort of embarrassing almost where it's like, I mean, I'm in this community, I feel like I should know all the things. But at the same point in time, I do feel like it's ever changing. And that makes it even like sort of hard to catch that moving target, especially when you're also not really embedded in it all the time. So like my wife and I've been together for like 12 years, we've been married for five and a half. So there's, not a lot of exposure in the sense of when I was younger going out all the time trying to meet people trying to like really engage in like that specific community because I wanted to meet somebody to spend my life with and and to be honest that's like a big part of why I would do that right it's like I wouldn't necessarily feel inclined to go to a gay bar or a lesbian bar. And there is the distinction, right? There is absolutely a big difference between a gay bar and a lesbian bar. One yeah. has kind of shirtless men and <laughs> one has a bunch of drag queens. Uh, so be true where you're at, but, but I, but I do think that there is this reality, right? That we seek to understand how we fit into a label. You, you hit the nail on the head. I think it's like, we want to be able to attach ourselves to something because I feel like it's a bit of a push and a pull, right? Is like we want to have a label because that gives us a sense, like I said, of belonging. But if we feel too confined by that label, then we start to sort of reject that and then want to find something else that better fits us. Or if somebody else labels us either mistakenly or crudely or just maliciously, then like there's that added factor. And there are emotional impacts to all of those. And I think that growing up, there was, for me especially, like there was a very strong sense of shame because, and I think I touched on this when I was doing an episode with my friend about coming out. But so when I was in seventh grade, like I said, I knew probably when I was in fourth grade that I I liked girls, but I didn't really acknowledge that or know how to handle that. And so most of my life, especially in like middle school and high school, I had boyfriends. At one point when I was 12 or 13, our schools basically converged into a middle school. So like the elementary school is funneled up and you're meeting kids from other places. And I remember meeting this group of girls and being really good friends with them and super excited about it and really close. And that attraction that you're talking about, right? That like soul connection, that feeling of like I belong and these people like accept me and I feel good about this. It was exciting. And I also have ADHD, which I wasn't diagnosed with until like two years ago. And I have to say, I think in retrospect, this also makes it a lot more palatable for my brain is that like as somebody with ADHD, you can hyper focus on a task, but you can also hyper focus on your feelings about certain things or people. And so I think like, because I'm just a very empathetic person, I would be very forward leaning with my emotions and very outward about it. And I ended up losing this group of friends because one of them, said that she thought I was a lesbian. And then the other two basically sort of followed the lead. And first of all, being 13 fucking sucks to begin with. So like that definitely (laughs) didn't help the situation. But it also like really muted me for a long time because it took an insecurity that I had in not really knowing myself and not having a label for myself at that point. And it put the label on me So then I felt so ashamed and afraid to put that label back on myself that it was another six or seven years before I even addressed it to anybody. I mean, I broke up with my boyfriend in ninth grade because I had a crush on somebody that was a girl. And I was like, I mean, not like I stand a chance or anything, but like, I just don't feel like this is the right thing for me. And then I got back together with him because I was like, what the fuck am I actually going to do about this? What am I going to do about this? People aren't going to accept it. And so it's like really interesting to look back at it and evaluate how something like that, which I'll identify with today. Fine. Like you can call me a lesbian. You can call me whatever you want. Like from that perspective, like to your point, like, I don't even know that lesbian is the right term, but I do feel like I'm married to a woman. I want my physical relationship to be with a woman. Like these things are all categorically sort of in that label. But at the end of the day, creating a stigma, making fun of people using a term that is also supposed to be a term that they can use for themselves to find that sense of identity is really challenging. It's just like, I, I mean, in this moment, I'm literally just kind of spitballing. And I, I'd love your perspective on that because I feel like it's such a wrench to deal with as somebody struggling to identify yourself.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I went through something very similar. People suck, but they're also great, <laughs> but they suck. Yeah. But, but it's so, it's actually so common is what i'm seeing because i hear this from my clients as well and yeah i just remember when i was even in college i had <laughs> there was a a couple folks that lived on the my dorm floor one in particular that i also think <laughs> was a lesbian was hiding but she was the one telling everyone that i was the lesbian out of nowhere i had not said anything she was making up all these rumors because there was another Girl in the dorms that would come visit me that was bisexual, and so there was like this rumor going around. And she would write like a thing on my on my door, and I remember being like, "How does she like? How does she know?" In my head, right? Like, (laughs) I haven't said anything. What? But it was also the like everyone else is putting this label on me, so then it made me like same thing as you. Kind of like went back into a shell even more, and I waited longer. I ended up in a relationship with a guy for three years actually during that time period. And we became really good friends. And then to another point, I've actually had several guys reach out recently and tell me that when they were kids, that the kids in the locker room and the kids at school would call them gay. And so then over time they started to question their sexuality. Like, wait, am I, am I gay? Because everyone's saying I am, am I? And I have clients that like I have clients now who they're sorting out in their mind like they're coming to me saying like I'm not sure I think I just like girls but I'm having these thoughts and I'm frustrated and I don't want to have the thoughts. So when we sort it out what we end up finding a lot of the time is that these thoughts that they're ruminating on were thoughts from when they were kids that boys would tell them or girls would tell them, right? Like make fun of them and now those thoughts are coming up and they're wanting to eliminate those thoughts cuz they think they're bad. And so we go through this experience together where it's like either way Neither one's right or wrong, and if you're having the thoughts, there maybe there's the opportunity for you to experiment, and it's okay. So it's almost like sometimes I give co- my clients <laughs> permission, you know. Yeah, a lot like of the you're time they're seeking that like,
0: validation to be able <laughs> yeah, to say, like, like, like it's okay yeah. to do that.
1: Yeah, it's okay if you have sex with a guy or a girl. It's an experience. <laughs>
0: Well, and I love that you keep referring to it that way, too. And just in general, that like life is an experience, right? And I think sometimes we forget that. I think it it comes back to the idea of being able to find yourself in the present moment, which you you were sharing about your anxiety. I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety a couple of years ago as well. You know, my wife by trade, I probably mentioned before on the show, is a behavioral therapist, and she's done it for many years with children with autism. And so I've learned a lot about mental health, um, just in general, and mental conditions as a result of being around her and her knowledge. I've also gone to, in the past couple of years, this I've definitely mentioned on the show, a shit ton of therapy. And I do think that one of the things that you said about things coming up from childhood, it's really easy to refute it if you don't allow yourself to go back and really examine it. But looking at it now, one of the things that's come up for me, and this was super, super challenging in therapy to get through was having the turbulent relationship with my parents when I was coming out was super, super hard. There were a lot of sort of knockdown, down drag out fights as far as verbally with each other. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't this like, Condemning of my sexuality in such an explicit way. Uh, and I think that's important to mention because my parents were never like gay bashing me, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like they were like, we're going to disown you. like they they were not that extreme. But I think that it really, Didn't occur to me until recently how much that impacted me, and to this day, still because of the things that we're going through right now, it's just bringing up a lot of those same feelings. Like, it's a matter of feeling like you can be accepted, especially where you come from. And when you're going through something like that, you sort of just want to get the fuck out of it as quickly as possible. And so, it's like, I got through it, and our relationship got better. Through some work on both sides. I mean, do I think it still could be better? Yes, but I'm also much more self aware than they are. And so I think that that part of it too is like you have to allow yourself to go back to that and feel it and understand it because I was stressed, sad, miserable, angry, all of the feelings you could have when you don't feel accepted by your family. And I, basically, you know, kind of forgave and forgot just to be able to move through it and have more peace. But it also allowed me to sort of dissociate from my identity at that point in time where I did need that support and I didn't have it. And so like sharing this part of my identity and labeling myself to my family and having that not be accepted was a much bigger deal then I could have fathomed that it was at that point in time, because it's something that continues to your point to cycle through your mind, time over time, over time, over time, until you actually choose to address it. And some of that's within your control. And some of it's not uh, as far as like where you can take it and what you can do with it. But it was a very profound moment for me to recognize that I had to go back to that moment where I, you know, it essentially labeled myself to my family by coming out. And then to unravel all of those feelings and assess like, how did that impact how I moved forward with it also?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you're sharing that, and I want to say thank you for sharing your story too, because it's um, I'm getting so much from, for your vulnerability as well. And, you know, what I've been really fascinated by lately is that all human beings come out in some capacity of their life and so you we're talking about right now we're talking about coming out and their sexuality and what that was like with your family and what it was like for me and but i think if we if we bring it back to the human conversation what if all human beings come out <laughs> what if that's part again of the human experience and what I mean by that is that we can come out in different areas of our lives. We can come out with our new careers. We can come out with, whether it is a different relationship, whether it, whatever it is, at the end of the day, it's, it's something that we feel ashamed of, that we've had shame about. And I think when people, especially in the heterosexual community, if we're going to label the the communities, you know, when they see that, oh shit, I also, I've come out or I know what it's like to come out, right? (laughs) Because your parents weren't accepting of your coming out. But when they realize, wait a minute, I've had to come out in areas of my life. I know what that's like to feel ashamed about a part of me or something that I've done or something that I want to do or whatever it is. It humanizes it you know it brings it back to the human conversation and and when people when people don't see coming out as something that they've also experienced that it's just something that like this lgbtq community has to do that it's something that's wrong it makes us feel separate it's a uh, it's really unfortunate and i see when i look at the trevor project results there's so many kids that again are committing suicide and hurting themselves because they're not being accepted by their family so i just wanted to make that point that that was my aha moment of like oh shit like we all come out and the last point is the my realization of my human life cycle was that i went through three stages i went through coming out coming home coming alive coming out coming home coming alive (laughs) step one is really the coming out but like when we want to find that sense of peace and freedom within ourselves the second stage of that is coming home and when we when we come home to ourselves it's like oh my gosh i could be anything and then coming alive is like really stepping into that and realizing that you can have any label you can be any identity you can be whoever you want to be so i know i just kind of went on a tangent, but <laughs> I was feeling it. I
0: don't. I don't even think it was a tangent. I think it's it's completely valid, and I love that coming out, coming home, coming alive. I think it's mm. awesome. Great tagline. Put it on a shirt, and <laughs> I think that that's why we need to be having conversations like this too, right? Because we want people to understand that it doesn't have to be as explicit or finite as. I think at a broad stroke, society has sort of compelled us to be. And it's difficult because you do have to understand yourself enough to know what might be self-limiting. And in terms of to your point, like any sort of label, like coming out about anything, it it could be a relationship that you're in with somebody and it's not about sexuality, but maybe like your family doesn't like them or having a different opinion politically than somebody else. And you might be embarrassed by it or ashamed by it because of the way that, you know, society is, is depicting these things. And it's not to say that those differences can't segregate people in ways that are sort of more tribal and uncontrollable. Because I do think like there's a little bit of like, it's the human experience, but humans are animals. And I do think that sometimes like we are victim to our instinct. And it's basically like to be an evolved human to be able to get to the level that you're talking about, you need to shed those walls and say to yourself, like, who am I without the pressure of everything else that's going on. And I listened one time um, to, I I probably mentioned his podcast more than anybody's, but it it just so happens to be such powerful content from Mark Groves. I don't know if you listen to Create the Love, but his podcast is really brilliant. And he speaks at one point, uh, and I think it was an individual episode that he did about sit there with yourself and don't even think about what your name is. Don't even think, and this is, this relates really well to what you were saying before too about just even feeling shame about your name, right? It's like we're labeled from the moment we are born, and we don't think about that. We think about ourselves in the construct of who we are. When somebody calls that name, you respond, right? And even to that point, it just this is going to be a tangent. My full name is Nicole, and nobody calls me Nicole unless it's my grandparents or my mother when I'm in trouble, and so that for me was always really hard growing up too. It's like, I didn't want to be called Nicole. I constantly had to be telling people to call me Nikki. I didn't even really like Nikki, but I was like, I'll take it over Nicole. And so uh, (laughs) it's fine, just anything but that. I wish my grandfather, and God love him, he's literally, he's I think 93 now and really just, Still super with it, which is amazing, but he was like, "You don't want me to call you Nicole fine. I'll just call you josephine. It's a random name it's just worse <laughs> it than, it's just worse than Nicole. that's really what it boiled down <laughs> to, and in retrospect, it's funny when I was a kid, it really annoyed me yeah, but, I, but yeah. I do think that that's part of it, right? is like that we are given these names to which we identify because that's human nature, right? Like we wouldn't just walk around without names and not being able to address somebody, but it also almost gives you a container before you even have a chance to decide what your container is going to look like. And I feel like asking yourself to sit with who you are without even that as a label was what Mark Groves was saying. It's like, just sit there and think about who you are and what your values are, what you care about. Like, what is it that you, you, just you, think about yourself? And it was a really bright moment for me because it, took me a second to buy into it. Right. I was like, mm, okay, I'll try. And it was like, wow, that's actually really powerful because you don't even think about that ever. You don't think about how we think about labels, like what we're saying, sexuality, my job title, the place that I work, the type of house that I have, the car that I drive, like labels, 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 the clothes that I wear are brand names, right? Like things like that. Like everything's a label, but If you strip it down to the studs, who are you? And I think that's like we have to be asking that question because if you want to get to a point where you can find the best identity for yourself, you really have to know who you are. And you have to be comfortable exposing that to people. And it's a process. And I think that's what you're, you're very articulately conveyed about your business too, right? It's like, it is a process. People need to get to a point where they can find that within themselves to then share that with everybody else. Because if you've spent whole, whole periods of your life hiding that, you've also been hiding it from yourself. Yes. Oh, it's so good.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm having this moment. I'm having this moment with you. Because that the question is so powerful. It's who am I really? Right. Which is why you started this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> who, the fuck, who the fuck am I? Right. 100 percent Because at the end of the day, that's what we're all that's what we're all trying to figure out. And I think it's Rumi who says we're all trying to walk each other home. It's really I love what that. we're all doing, right? <laughs> and what you're sharing is when you push aside all the labels and you just sit with who you are. That was my coming home moment, my realization of. Holy shit. It was a feeling. And the feeling was I am love. Pure love. That's a, who I, I who I am is literally pure love. It's because we're energy. At our core who we are is pure energy and and the moment I actually felt it was when it was like whoa, it felt like I went up in an elevator in my mind. <laughs> I went, whoop, in an elevator. It felt like I was looking down. I was like, oh my gosh. And it felt like I was in a jacuzzi. I was in like a hot, warm jacuzzi in my body. And there were no other thoughts. There were no other thoughts. And that's how I knew, well, wait a minute. This is what's here right now when I'm not caught in thought. This is this is what it is. This is what I am. <laughs> And so it was my like coming home moment of like, I am peace. I am love. I am that. The thing I've been seeking my whole life when I would get a new job or a new relationship or whatever, I already am that. I don't, it's it's an illusion. Once I get the relationship or once I get the car, then I'll feel lo- the love that I'm seeking. And it's no, actually you are that. <laughs> so when I work with my clients, that's the most fun thing ever. Seriously, Nikki, when I, when I'm with someone and they have their moment, they have their oh my gosh, <laughs> it happened today. Actually, we were talking about freedom. We were just exploring like, what is freedom? Like, what is freedom? What is it like to feel free? Cause my client's like, I don't know what freedom is. How do I get freedom? Where is it? Right. And so we explore it. It's like, <laughs> she has this moment of, holy shit, I'm already free. And and it, it it's each individual has to see it for themselves. They have to experience it for themselves, you know. And I was in tears and like witnessing her in tears and like after dancing and celebrating and just to see somebody Feel a sense of liberation from all that noise in their head and be able to just be themselves is like the most freaking rewarding thing in the world.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and kudos to you for that, too, because I mean, I know it's the journey of self-exploration and it's the people who are coming to you who, who want to get to that point. So you you help them facilitate that. And at the same time, it takes a <laughs> It's like the thing my wife hates when people say to her about working with children with special needs is it takes a special kind of person, but it does take a special kind of person to open up your heart and give people the space to show up that way. And not just to show up that way, but to actually not show up that way and go on the journey with them so they can come to that. And I, you know, I felt that way in therapy myself, where you kind of start talking and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, I think I just figured that out on my own. But I just sort of needed somebody there to like witness the revelation occurring to get me on that thought pattern. And it's a revelation once you get to a point where you can set aside all of the bullshit because what you said about you know i am love i am peace there was a guy that i used to work with who's a friend of mine who very spiritual very connected to himself and and his wife very similar and at first i was pretty intimidated by it in the sense that like i was probably a little i don't know dismissive but not in like directly to him but just that like i wasn't sure like if i bought into it I did this to my therapist too. So it's like pretty, I'm I'm just like skeptical about self work, but I'm like, "Mm, I don't know if I believe it. And then all of a sudden it works and you're like, oh, cool. Great. I'm bored with that then. I just needed, I just needed a minute. I just needed a minute, But, but you have to go in with an open mind. Right. And he would say things like that. Like I'm love, like we are all love. And I always say that I firmly believe that there is more good in this world there are more good people in this world than there are bad people the unfortunate reality is that a lot of the bad people have the power and the money and that fucks over a lot of the good people and then people compromise who they are because of things like that sidestepping that political landmine so we can focus on the conversation i will say that i gave myself a chance to put aside my sense of stigma around talking in that way and feeling that way about ourselves because i I was curious. I wanted to know. I wanted to understand what he meant. And more and more going on my own journey, I can understand that because like you said, we are all energies. I firmly believe that there is some level of like, what we put out into the world comes back to us. And yes, sometimes shit happens and you didn't put that out in the world and like bad fucking stuff happens and we deal with it. Right. But I think that showing up for yourself and giving yourself that love and being that love and that calm and that peace is how you also get through those things that weren't your choice to carry. And so you make a really beautiful point in that, it can happen also at any time for anyone you just have to give yourself the runway and and your coaching provides that for people and it provides it for people who are in the thick of it trying to figure themselves out and having been in that moment in a relatively solitary way i can say with relative assurance that like that has to be such a monumental thing as somebody who is a client of yours to be able to have that opportunity to work with somebody and get through that really difficult push through the mud. Honestly, it's like there's there's resistance on the part of society's expectations for sure. And then our own resistance against ourselves, partly because of those expectations. And certainly in many cases, because of our own expectations of ourselves.
1: Yeah. Oh, this conversation's so good. <laughs> I'm just like
0: sitting here absorbing it, you know? No, I'm just, no, I appreciate it. that. And I wanted to ask you do you feel like there is something that stands out to you as an opportunity as society for us to modify our behavior? that really, as we've been discussing this whole time, sort of inherently puts us into boxes. We want to label ourselves. We want to label everything to fit an expectation. Do you think that it's realistic that there could be some sort of societal shift in how we approach that? And if there were, do you have an idea of how you might see that maybe starting?
1: Mm, Yeah. Oh, I love this question. It's such a good question because oh, it's like, how do we change the world?
0: <laughs> yeah, basically. It's, it's, a loaded, it's a loaded question. So, what are you going to do yeah, to change the world? So,
1: yeah. So, a couple things. One, for me personally, I'm working on my TED talk. I can't say what it's going to be exactly, but for me personally, there's an opportunity in that to share the message and have a deeper discussion with humanity about labels. I think the biggest thing is community. So I think that what we need is for different communities to come together, diverse communities to come together and be having these kinds of conversations. So I'm actually creating that space right now because as we've talked about, you know, the LGBT community sometimes it becomes this siloed space where people in that community are going over here and we're all over here and we're able to get along and understand each other. But then there's still people outside of the community that want to understand what's going on. And, and, and there's still a separation in that, right. And so what I am feeling called to create right now is called the coming alive community, where I'm basically going to be more merging different communities all into one. So inviting this LGBT community to come in, and I'm partnering with six different coaches from around the world different backgrounds different ethnicities they're all going to be inviting their communities into this community and the whole intention is a safe space for people to be fully expressed to be able to talk about shame to be lived to be able to talk about your truth whatever it is you've been hiding like this is a safe space to do it and so i think that at least from what i'm seeing there aren't enough communities where the community is bridging those gaps instead of siloing them. So that's at least, uh, that's the action that I'm currently taking to try and (laughs) mitigate this. And at the same time going on podcasts, I'm literally asking people in the streets, their, (laughs) their opinions on labels and identities, because I think it, what it takes is real authentic conversation, asking these questions to people and creating an environment for them to open their mind and see what they see. And and come at it in a place, you know, not being judgmental, but just in a place of pure interest, pure curiosity. And actually, vibrationally, what happens is if I come from a space of pure curiosity and pure interest, energetically, I'm in a higher vibrational state, which then energetically actually elevates the individuals that I'm around. So then they actually open their, their mind naturally opens. And so they end up Be feeling more free to express themselves. So I think to answer your question, it's a couple things. It's asking these powerful questions, going on these interviews, doing this TED Talk, and then building these communities. So if there's anybody that's listening and they feel called to to be a part of the Coming Alive community, it's comingalivecommunity.com. It's a free Facebook group. Also, if you feel called to start communities like That's what I invite any, I think, community is the answer to so many problems in the world. We actually come together and we're able to express ourselves and and share ideas. That's how we're going to change the world.
0: Yeah, it's a great response. And I'm super excited to see how the Coming Alive community continues to grow and to be part of it and to share in that as a part of it and to see your success um, and the collective success of that group, because it is in my opinion, also what is going to allow us to become really, I think the society that we want to be many of us. And I love that you spoke about the curiosity and leading with that and that the approach to it is something when you do it in a specific way without aggression or intent to prove a point that you are actually letting people share with you in more of an unfiltered unvetted way and that's when you get honesty that's when you get authenticity and I, so i mean i fully support that the the tagline for the show is inquisitive authentic unapologetic and so you've got like that you know curiosity <laughs> and and i want to be authentic yeah. and i don't want to say i'm sorry for it cuz i'm sick of feeling shamed about really wanting to connect with people and and so i think that That idea about being vibrationally higher and having sort of that awareness, right, is something that I've become more and more interested in and and learned a lot more about as well. This was similar to what I was saying about, you know, we are love like one of my friends, same person had said this to me and I was like, yeah, vibrations totally. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But when you do the, but when you do the work and you really look into it, I mean, there's so much validation there, too. And you start to again, you start to. Be able to peel back those layers of expectations that have been around us our whole lives and shed that so you can actually really see what's going on around you and how you genuinely feel about those things, also, because the sense of identity that we seek for ourselves is one challenge. But there's also the sense of we have to be willing to restrict our use of labels, basically, because I restrict might not be the right word, but I think we need to. Remove the idea that everything has to be labeled in a certain way, and we need to start exploring the idea of a bit more ambiguity. I think that there's times and places for labels when you have to actually be organized and get things done. Like, don't get me wrong; yeah. <laughs> it's not like nothing exists. Time isn't real. It's fine, but like, um, <laughs> but I do feel like we have to recognize that labels can devolve or become irrelevant and new labels might become more relevant. And I think that speaks a lot to, you know, the use of pronouns today, having just even having that conversation about what pronouns do you want to be used for you? How do you want to be referred to giving people the option to speak for themselves instead of asking Other people to create that label for them and respecting that it is a choice that any of us get to make and change at any point in time if we feel like that's what's being true to ourselves. And the umbrella statement over all of this is I don't care who you are, what you call yourself, how you identify in the capacity of like, that shouldn't determine if I do or don't like somebody. If you're a good human being, who has a heart that wants to help people, that wants to feel fulfilled, that seeks to create a life of meaning, then call yourself what you're comfortable with, be a good human being, and I will respect that, and I will take the step to action that and proliferate that on somebody else's behalf so I can further this conversation and make sure people understand why it's important to do that. But I will say rules don't apply if you're being a dick. (laughs) (laughs) generalized label if like you're a jerk. Like, I mean, I'm I'm just not really going to care that much about, but that's also the thing too, is like, you don't need to allow that stuff to carry weight. If you have a sense of self that allows you to direct your energy towards things and people that value that more. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. Wow. As you were sharing that, the, the other thing I was going to mention when you asked me this question was, was that, you know, another thing I'm feeling really called to do is create a community for LGBTQ leaders around the world for us to be having these conversations. Because, you know, just to kind of sum up, I mean, everything we've talked about today, you know, everyone has their own perspective on all these different labels. And then in the community, everyone's running their own initiatives. And so my question is like, are we actually like as a community? Like, are we actually achieving what we're trying to achieve here? <laughs> and what are we trying to achieve here with all these labels? And so, my thought recently was, what if we had a monthly, you know, free mastermind with leaders around the world and we actually have these conversations and we hear like, what are you doing in China? What are you doing in Israel? What are you doing in these countries? Like, let's have these conversations. Like, what's working? What's not working? We need to be connecting on that deep of a level and actually understand the climate too in different areas of the world. So, that just side note, that's been something I've been thinking about on and off for the last year. But I'm actually in talks with uh, Michael Ross in Israel to actually build this because, again, the intention is like we're aiming for world peace and we want unification of humanity, but like, is what we're doing actually
0: working? Yeah, it's clearly not. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely not working. Uh, But I don't think that that's like, uh, that's not on us in in the general capacity right now. I think there's a lot of fucked up stuff happening, but I agree with you. I think that that's a brilliant mission. And I love that you're taking it to the next level of not just expanding and saying, we need people of different, cultures and and ethnicities within our region of the United States. But like, let's really get a global view of this. And let's pay attention to how people are being treated effectively everywhere, because how can we have a sense of community as humans if we aren't addressing that? And it doesn't have to be this stigmatized, uncomfortable conversation that I feel like a lot of people want to make it. It can literally just be as you've really been expressing this whole time, human to human, what is it that we need to be doing to address the pain points that are plaguing so many people here that really at the end of the day are so fucking irrelevant to who, like the labels matter in the sense of like you want to feel aligned to something, but they don't matter. They don't matter. None <laughs> of it matters. Like you matter, you matter. Yeah. And and yeah. and people need to feel that they matter. And if they feel that they matter and they feel fulfilled data shows that if you are more fulfilled then you will be more productive and you will be happier and it's like so these things just it's sort of like if you exercise enough your endorphins go up and your anxiety goes down you know like there's there's a component of that to your sense of fulfillment and i think that that coupled with how you want to approach that at a global level is something that is super important to how we build on our global community. And I'm impressed and just really, really grateful that you've come to this conversation with such an open mind and open heart and so many good ideas and thoughtful responses, because I feel like this is a conversation that has enlightened me so much. So I can only imagine what it will do for our listeners. But this has been such a wonderful conversation for me, Kyla. Um, before we sign off, was there anything else that you wanted to say, or chat about? Because uh, I mean, I could go on for hours and people would they are going to shut up already. But I, this has been really, um, really wonderful to hear your perspective. And I'm excited to just keep in touch and keep this conversation moving.
1: I'm just grateful I just feel super grateful for this opportunity truly (laughs) it's enlightening for me as well it brings me so much joy to have real real authentic combos real authentic combos so thank you so much Nikki for having me
0: well gang that's all for this episode of the who the fuck podcast thanks for listening and a big thank you to Kyla Coogan for sharing her story and her time to learn more, visit Kyla Coogan, that's C-U-Y-L-A-C-O-O-G-A-N ncom And you can sign up for the LGBTQ Plus Leadership Mastermind event that Kyla's hosting on December 13th. Visit the Eventbrite link in our show notes to sign up now. Or follow Kyla Coogan on Instagram for more details and to get updates about future events. This episode's Who the Fuck for a Cause is in support of the Trevor Project. If you have the means, visit whothefck.com slash donate to contribute and help provide access to information preventing suicide and Trevor's unique resources for LGBTQ youth. Make sure you subscribe to the Who the Fuck podcast on your preferred platform. And if you like what you hear, go ahead and share the love by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Share your email at who thefck.com to receive updates about the podcast, merch promos, and more. Until next time.